Ready. Implement. Computer, this is a Class A compulsory directive. Compute to the last digit the value of pi. As we know, the value of pi is a transcendental figure without resolution. The computer banks will work on this problem to the exclusion of all else until we order it to stop. Yes, I should keep that thing busy for a while. <laughs> oh yeah, pi. Literally the only number that has ever saved a starship. Hey everyone, I'm Mike Wong, and you're listening to Strange New Worlds. You know, I found the perfect way to spend my Pi Day this year. I spoke to a math teacher from Las Vegas, Nevada, named Amy Nelson. Now, for reference, in case you've never heard of it, Pi Day is March 14th, or 314, because the number Pi is approximately 3.14. It's like the only math holiday there is. This one day where the whole world celebrates math. Now, my guest today, Amy, is perhaps better known in these parts as a Star Trek podcast host herself, whose work can be found on Trek FM and the United Federation of Podcasts. But today, she's on Strange New Worlds, mainly to tell me about how, as a math teacher, she incorporates Star Trek into her classroom. And then, as a final treat, she'll share with us her experience on the Star Trek cruise that set sail earlier this year. All right, break out those calculators, and let's get to work. Well, Amy, welcome to Strange New Worlds and happy Pi Day. Yes, thank you very much. I'm very excited to be recording on Pi Day and talking math. I love it. Yes, I can I can see that. Our listeners can't see, uh, but you're wearing a Pi necklace and your math t-shirt. What does your t-shirt say? It says, all I care about is math and three people and food. <laughs> <laughs> That is great. Yeah. Uh, and your necklace has the, the Greek letter pi on it. Yes. Um, that is a, a famous mathematical constant. Um, but before we dive into math, uh, I thought we'd um, talk about Star Trek a little bit first. And something that I like to ask all of my guests is how they discovered Star Trek and how Star Trek has shaped their lives. So I was wondering if you would mind sharing your Star Trek story with us, Amy. Um, I will try to condense it because it does... You know, everyone's Star Trek story gets a little long, but I was in high school and my mother, um, it was Next Generation was on and it came on on Sunday nights and I was going out to meet some friends and my mom's like, hey, come sit down, watch this show. I think you'll really like it. I thought, well, okay, it's a school night. Maybe I shouldn't go out. And I just really enjoyed what I saw and I didn't know what I was seeing. Uh, my brother at the time was really into Star Trek, but he was the original series with Kirk and Spock. And uh, so I was like, this is what he likes. And 
So fast forward a few years, I um, did not watch Deep Space Nine. I saw the premiere of Voyager because, you know, she was the female captain and everything. Uh, But I wasn't really too involved with it, in part because I was going to college and, you know, life was just busy. But when I started teaching, that's when I really found my love of Star Trek. And when you're a teacher, it was advised to me that you have a part of yourself in your classroom. I thought, well, gosh, what do I like? Well, I like Star Trek. And so I gathered up posters and my brother and this, I stole it all from my brother because I didn't really have anything. And I just decked out an entire corner of my classroom with Star Trek. And that was the time when the DVDs for Next Gen started coming out. And so I was ordering them and watching just over and over again. And I was loving it so much that I went to my library and I started reading Star Trek TNG novels. And just every month was getting a new book. And my library had it so that there was an entire section of Star Trek. And so I just went straight to that section and looked through the books. Oh, I've read that. I've read that. Oh, this one I haven't read. And so I was just really like digesting all of the Star Trek next generation that I had missed. Um, So that's sort of where those 2000s really is where I started my fandom. And now we are 2020. uh, When parents come in for like open house, oh, you like Star Trek? And they would just give me things. And so my collection has grown like it's no longer just one little corner. It's like half of my room now because people keep giving me all of their Star Trek stuff because they know that I will love and care for it. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I've also um, experienced in my life as a Trekkie, that other Trek fans are just the most generous people imaginable. Yes. Yeah, it's really yes. wonderful to be part of that fandom and that family. Um, so yeah, you, you've talked about how your your fandom has grown, and it's really blossomed into um, a, a creative pursuit, which is podcasting. Um, so you're well known on the airwaves as a podcaster on the Trek FM network. You co-host Earl Grey, a Star Trek The Next Generation podcast, and also The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Um, so how did you get involved with podcasting? Well, I think it all started with my attendance to the conventions uh, at Star Trek Las Vegas. I currently live in Las Vegas, and I decided to check out this little thing of a Star Trek convention. I'd never been to a convention before. And so I started going, and like my first time, I went one day just to check it out. And I was like, oh, I like this. So my next year, I went just by myself, but I went to every single day. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then I found on Facebook a group, the USS Rio, and it was the 50th anniversary. And so that's where, and I found podcasting at the time, so I was just listening to all of these podcasts and I was just, I was their Uber fan. And when Trek FM came out to uh, Las Vegas, I was, I mean, I was more excited to meet them than the actual stars (laughs) of the show. (laughs) And so uh, it was actually Norm 
Lau, who's now currently on Mission Log, and uh, Kenneth Tripp, uh, who was on Standard Orbit, and they're like, hey, come on, come on. I was like, no, 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 that's, you know, but they talked me into it. And so, yeah, now I am on Earl Grey. I was on The Edge, and I did Postcards from The Edge, which was a fan response to Discovery, which I absolutely loved. And really, that's where, like, knowing the listeners and what they like and what they didn't like, I absolutely loved podcasting and and making those connections with other Star Trek fans. That's been the best part of podcasting is getting to know people in this family. And it's also um, this amazing group of people that really spend their time trying to put together these shows, which is really wonderful. And I, I just want to thank you for all the work that you put into the Trek FM network. I listened to Earl Grey and, you know, Star Trek TNG is a, a 30 year old show. And so Earl Grey is like a, an exercise in nostalgia. Is it challenging for you all to keep that material fresh? And how do you do it so well? Oh my goodness. Yes. There, (laughs) when I think about, well, because I started, um, it was, I think two years after the original host had already started. So they had covered, they had 154 shows. And so to not duplicate and to try up and come up with something, you know, fresh and interesting and a different take, um, has been challenging, but with my great co-host, Justin Ozer, and now Joe Keegan, and we had Richard Marquez and Lee Hutchinson, like bringing in new people and listening to, you know, sometimes our listeners give us, you know, comments and suggestions on what we should do. So we're always listening to what the, you know, what others want us to talk about. So we interject that and, you know, there really is a lot of things to cover. We do a lot of series like lost episodes and like the fan collective sets and deleted scenes, you know, that not everyone has a chance to actually see because they don't own the Blu-ray, you know, if they're just streaming or whatever. So it is challenging, but what a joy it is to come up with them and to like, oh yeah, we could spin it this way, you know. Mm-hmm. And you are famous on your podcast for loving every instance of math, math in Star Trek, math in life in general, um, which is how I got this idea to invite you on Strange New Worlds. Um, and, and you love math because you're a math teacher. It's your job kind of to love math and to teach young people how to love it too. So how did you decide to become a math teacher? Well, interesting enough, my first choice was chemical engineering. Hmm. And I went through all of the math, the engineering math. Oh, I loved it, loved it. And the first year of chemistry, just fine. And then organic chemistry hit me. Uh, Yes. (laughs) And oh, Kim, if anyone knows... Uh, is is very, very difficult. And it's rough. It, it is very rough. And I sure gave it my best effort, but I just, it wasn't clicking with me like the math was. And so I was like, gosh, what am I going to do? I have all these math credits. Well, maybe I should be a math teacher. So I changed to math education. Um, and yeah, the rest is history. This is my 20th year teaching math. Wow. Congratulations. 
Would you mind sharing what grade levels you teach and what the subjects are in those grades? Yes. So I have done nine years of middle school, and then that would leave 11 years of high school. So I have taught everything from Math 7 up to Pre-Calculus BC, which is the second course of Pre-Calc. I am an algebra girl, absolutely. I fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, has never taught geometry, Hmm. which I find interesting, but I just love the algebra concept so much that I would rather teach that. So algebra one, algebra two by hands down is my favorite. I love algebra two, uh, pre-calculus AB, pre-calculus BC. So for those of us who have you know, taken Algebra 2, but a long time ago. Can you remind us of some of the concepts that occur in that class? Yes, I can. So this is your overview of all the functions. So you have your linear, quadratic, uh, rational, exponential, logarithmic, uh, your... What else? Oh, well, of course you get your trig because now they've combined trig with Algebra 2 So you have your trigonometric functions and your unit circle and pi, if you will. Ah, yes. Yes. So, and we look at um, simplifying, graphing, and solving all of those equations within each of those, and they're called parent functions. Yeah, I remember going through uh, that type of class. I remember logarithms were always really difficult for me to wrap my my head around. Um, but I, you know, I feel like if I had a teacher like you who loved Star Trek so much and maybe you know brought in a little examples of Star Trek to help me along the way, it would have been easier. So um, you know, I imagine that you being a big Star Trek fan, you find ways to bring Star Trek into your classroom. You already spoke about that corner of Star Trek things. Um, how else do you bring Star Trek into your teaching? Well, one example, actually, we just finished our exponential and logarithmic unit. And in the original series, The Trouble with Tribbles, when Spock makes the calculations and saying that the tribbles, you know, grow exponentially, and in there, he actually gives some numbers. So I show that little clip. They seem to be gorged. Gorged? On my grain? Kirk, I am going to hold you responsible. There must be thousands of them. Hundreds of thousands. 1,771,561. That's assuming one triple, multiplying with an average litter of 10, producing a new generation every 12 hours over a period of three days. And that's assuming that they got here three days ago. And allowing for the amount of grain consumed and the volume of the storage compartment. And I say, okay, so is Spock correct with his mathematical analysis. And so we run the numbers and yes, indeed, he is correct. (laughs) Of course he is. The math checks out. And so that's an exponential growth. And so we sort of go on from there. Jim, I think I've got it. All we have to do is quit feeding them. We quit feeding them, they stop breeding. Now he tells me. That's great. I love that way of getting into the exponential function. That just makes it so enjoyable, you know, when you can lead with a clip of Star Trek and then actually try to check, oh, did Mr. Spock do his calculation correct? Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, there's there's a lot of those. I also teach a, a senior level class. It's called Topics of Modern Math. And this is a discrete 
uh, math class. So it's not algebra based. And I actually get to handpick which topics I want to teach. And one of them is the uh, logic and reasoning. And we talk about uh, binary, you know, yes and no, and what a paradox is and how computers function. And so again, another TOS episode is Mud's Women, where the computer takes over, right? And he's trying to, uh, Kirk is trying to get control back of his ship. And he's like, I am lying to you which is a paradox. So it's neither true nor false. And so then his brain and, you know, his little toupee catches on fire. It's so cute. Um, And so I show that little clip to talk about what a paradox is and what makes a statement true or false. And And then that leads us to a discussion of truth tables. If you remember P and Q, if P, then Q, true, false, (laughs) false, true. So, yeah. It's bringing back so many memories from high school for me. (laughs) (laughs) So I like using Star Trek just sort of as a little launching pad to get us into the topic. Do you have any favorite mathy moments from Star Trek that maybe you haven't yet created a lesson plan around, but that you just really enjoy? There was one that, oh, I'm going to have to try and remember, but it was... Oh, okay. It was data making a logical conclusion. Um, And again, going in with this logic reasoning. And it's like, well, if this is your premise, then your conclusion is correct. And just sort of following that logic, I thought, you know, that was the first time I had recognized that in part because I had just finished teaching that unit. And so I was like, you know, next year I'm going to put that into my lesson plan. I really like that logical sense that we get if A and B, then C. And so keeping that in mind as we make decisions is very, very important, which goes to logic and reasoning and like building a premise. And you can have a lot of different premises and build your argument so that you reach the correct conclusion. I think it's very important for our kids these days. Yeah, absolutely. Logical reasoning. And that's like the foundation of critical thinking. You know, when I was young, uh, Star Trek made a huge impression on me. I often say that it's the reason why I became a planetary scientist and an astrobiologist. But I think equally important in shaping my journey were really, really good teachers, especially really good math teachers. And so, you know, as as a math teacher yourself, um, and you spoke a little bit about this in, in the logic aspect, but why do you think it's important for young people to learn math these days? Oh my goodness. Okay. You sound like my students. Am I ever going to use this? <laughs> so, you know, I truly, deeply believe that math is what expands your brain. I love English and history and science, and science is the application of math, but you need to have that mathematical foundation. And there's no other way to strengthen your brain muscle. I mean, your brain is a muscle. And, you know, just like going to the gym, you know, and you're working out your quads and your triceps, and you have to work out your brain. And there's no nothing better than math 
like solving those equations backwards and forwards, the inverse of the function. And I mean, that literally is backwards and forwards and making the connections between the, you know, solving the equation and what does that look graphically? So you're learning to see math and do math. Like I really do have a passion for it, but I believe that's the best use is learning how to think. Everything else, like you can find stuff on the internet. That's that's fine. And thankfully we have that. But to think critically, I just really believe that solving equations and trying to figure out and learning the perseverance of not giving up on math, like those are all really good traits that we need to develop. Wow, that is so profound. And I absolutely agree. That's wonderful. Would you have any advice for podcast listeners who are no longer in school? So, you know, uh, maybe some kids who are listening to this were inspired and will work extra hard in their math classes now. But for adults who are no longer in school, how would you recommend for them to exercise their brains in the same way that, you know, a kid in math class gets to do every single day? Okay, I would like to tell all of my parents who are listening, please, please never say math was my worst subject. That is a defeatist attitude that makes it seem like math is okay not to learn. If you want to continue learning, try learning what your child is learning in math and try learning it and and don't say, oh, well, I didn't learn it this way. Yeah, because there's a lot of different ways that you can learn math. There's a lot of different ways that you can arrive at that same answer. Just because I, the teacher, do it this way does not mean that there's not another way to solve a problem. Like, that's the beauty of math, too. Yes, you're going to get the same answer, which, again, why I love math is because there is one answer. But there are many different ways that you can obtain that answer. And so... Pushing yourself to say, hey, why don't you, child, teach me how you are doing the math? What are you thinking? What are the concepts? And then pushing and saying, how can we use this in the real world? One of the problems that I have as a teacher is that the math that I'm teaching, it's used for very complicated and complex problems. And so I understand not every kid is going to be like you, Michael, right? And solving the world's problems and astrophysicists and everything. (laughs) So, but I want to prepare the kids and I want to teach them how to think. And I think like parents can really push their kids, again, teaching them perseverance to never give up and to say, well, let's try and find a different way to solve it. And then you can go to the internet and try and learn a different way if the teacher's way isn't working. Um, As far as like personally using math, I think just sort of understanding sort of the main concepts like we talked about before, like logic, reasoning, solving a problem, looking at different variables in solving those problems. And if I set this to be constant, if this is going to remain true, then what are the things that I can control? If, you know, so I think just thinking logically Uh, helps you to continue to grow mathematically. 
It teaches you so many different things about life. Like you said, perseverance. That's not something that I normally associate with mathy thinking, you know, uh, but it's absolutely true. It is a trait, a characteristic, an aspect of yourself that you are training when you're when you're engaging in critical thinking, um, because math problems are often once you get beyond arithmetic and multiplication tables, they're not just solved like that. You need to work through them. I guess as Tilly would say, that's the power of math, right? That's that the it power can teach of you math, so many things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wonderful. Before I ask you about the Star Trek cruise, is there anything else that you want to say about your teaching or about the way you involve Star Trek in your classroom? Well, I do make my kids do the Vulcan salute when entering the classroom, <laughs> especially now with the coronavirus going on. Right. And it's just so cute. They really try and some of them can't do it. And I, you know, move their fingers. Okay, here you go. Uh, so they know to, you know, greet me at the door and it's really cute <laughs> when kids <laughs> think that they're going to get extra credit and I have assign them a project and they'll make it a Star Trek theme. And I, I love that. I had a student, oh my gosh, Michael, that was, uh, talking about symmetry and wrote this report on the symmetry of the Enterprise Wonderful. 1701. And he included pictures. He like did some major research and talked about the nacelles and the backwards and forwards and the symmetry and why the 1701 was so visually stunning mathematically. It, it was beautiful. So yes, my students do get extra credit when they bring Star Trek in. <laughs> <laughs> That's lovely. Wow. Wow. I kind of want to read that report now. I feel like that should be published somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Amy. So you just got back from the Star Trek cruise. Um, and so that meant that unfortunately, when I guested on Earl Grey, you weren't part of the crowd hosting, um, but I did get to meet your co-hosts. But yeah, since you were on the cruise, I was wondering if you could make me as jealous as possible by telling me about all the highlights from that adventure on the high seas. Oh my goodness. So I had been cruising before. It's probably been about 10 years. So it wasn't my first cruise, but this was my first Star Trek cruise. And what I absolutely loved was seeing all my friends from the convention, STLV, because uh, I've been going to STLV, like I said, oh my gosh, six years now. And um, so seeing all of the friends and then they had like, I don't know, 30 actors there on the ship and everything. Um, so I, I don't feel comfortable approaching or, you know, going up to the actors I see from afar and I'm as happy as a clam. Um, but what I really enjoyed, and in part, I compare and contrast to the convention, was that they had not only panels, and they had like game shows, and different types of ways for the actors to show their creative side. They had readings that they had actually written. One was a reading that John Delancey had written 20 years ago called Q versus Spock and actually performed with Leonard Nimoy. Of course, with his passing, we had Ethan Peck and John Delancey do that. Wow. And oh boy, that was wonderful. And he had a little cliffhanger at the end 
And it's like, okay, we'll find out in 2021. And so he's going to write a second part for the cruise next year. I'm like, oh. That's wonderful. So there's reason to sign up to go next year. (laughs) Um, They had a Hollywood square. So, you know, your uh, three by three square and all the actors were there. And then you'd ask questions and then you agree or disagree. And that was so, I mean, just to see how quick witted they are and how smart and funny and the interplay between them was wonderful. There was another one, uh, Mary Chifo did like a impromptu, uh, like a whose line is it anyways, uh, where you have different skits, like an impromptu skits. And again, she, her comedic timing is just wonderful. She's so, so good. Um, and then they come to like the dances and the raves. There was a Risa rave and a Klingon rave and And Kenneth Mitchell was there, um, you know, and they're out there dancing with, I mean, not me because I watch from afar, but, you know, they're out (laughs) there, you know, talking to the fans and they're just all so lovely. And I know that they're working. Oh, Ed, I did an excursion with Wilson Cruz, um, who plays uh, Culber on Discovery. And so we got to tour Puerto Rico uh, San Juan Air City um, with Wilson Cruz. I mean, again, I didn't talk to him. I watched from afar and said, oh, lovely. Um, you know, so it's a lot, a different interaction than you get at a regular convention. And so I feel that if anyone can go on the cruise, it's, I highly recommend it. That sounds really incredible to be in such close quarters to these actors and seeing them perform in ways that they don't even get to show at a at a convention like STLV where they're just sort of on stage on a panel answering questions but this time they can bring their full creative juices to bear that's wonderful sounds like you had a great time and uh, maybe I'll have to look into uh, going one of these days <laughs> yes you really should I mean and they deck out the whole ship you know, and they had like Quark's Bar and, you know, different little set pieces around. They even had a little museum and the uh, store where they had like T-shirts designed for each stop port that we stopped at. Um, They had, you know, just everything was Star Trek and Star Trek music playing throughout and you'd turn on your TV if you ever were in your cabin and there would be, (laughs) there were four different channels of Star Trek going on. There was one channel of movies, one channel of Voyager, obviously, because it's the 25th anniversary, you know, and so you could just pick and choose which Star Trek you wanted to watch. Um, And they had out on the pool area movies running almost all the time. Um, So I stayed and watched Nemesis because that's my favorite movie. Um, You know, and so it's just you're enveloped in this Star Trek bubble on the sea. It's, It's wonderful. That sounds like heaven. Well, I know you have to get to your next appointment. Sounds like you have a busy podcasting day today. Before we sign off, um, where can people find you online if they'd like to hear more about your adventures on future cruises or conventions or just your thoughts on Star Trek and math? You can find me over on Trek FM, where I host Earl Grey. Uh, You can also find me on the United Federation of Podcasts, where I host All Good Things with my good friend Patrick Devlin, who used to be with me on The Edge. 
And so we are talking all of Star Trek, which we absolutely love. Right now we're covering Picard, and hopefully we'll get to talk about (laughs) some older Star Trek. But we keep joking because, man, they've got us pretty lined up for new Star Trek, don't they, right? Oh, great time to be a Star Trek fan. So very excited for that. You can find me on Twitter, at Miss Amy Nelson. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining me on Strange New Worlds, Amy, and thank you so much for all of the amazing work that you do as a math teacher. I think that's a very, very important role in our society, and you are really making a difference in many people's lives. Thank you so much. I appreciate coming on. That was the fabulous Amy Nelson, a math teacher and Star Trek podcast host based in Las Vegas, Nevada. Wow. Hearing about how Amy assigns such fun, Trek-centric math problems makes me almost want to go back to middle school and be in her class. I can safely say that my Algebra 2 class was not quite that fun. And seriously, I want to know why the Enterprise is visually pleasing from a geometric perspective. You know, Amy seems like the best kind of teacher. Not only is she good at her subject, but she is passionate about it too, and understands that doing math is much more than just learning math. It's about learning how to think, how to be creative, and how to persevere. Those are all things that will serve you so well throughout your life, no matter how much math you end up doing on a daily basis. And with that deep thought, I'll bid you farewell for now. Until next time, see you out there.